I'm back. Hey, for those listening, I'm going to start back going live on my Ask Philip Facebook page. So if you're not following my Ask Philip Facebook page and you'd like to, to see me as I'm talking for whatever reason, that's better for you. Some people like to do audio. Some people like to do video. Whatever you want to do, I'm making both of them available. So I am live on my Ask Philip page uh, now. So today we are talking about diversification, right? Diversification and a new asset class to add to a diversified portfolio. So so here here is the problem, right? So markets go in you know cycles, right? And and the cycles go around debt. Debt too little, debt too much, right? They're big 30, 40, 50 year cycles. And so for those who listen to other episodes, you know that all asset classes are priced and grow based on growth and inflation, right? And so these debt cycles have a major effect on growth and inflation. And so so you'll have a 30, 50-year trend where diversification on that trend is different than diversification on the other trend. And so, for example, the the trend that happened from 1980, you know, to, to currently, right, the big long-term trend was – you know, when growth was good, people, stocks did well. When the economy slowed down and we went into a recession, stocks didn't do well. But, you know, bonds did well in that period of time. And so that was cool. But now you got to think, all right, what's different now than the last 20, 30 years, 30, 40 years? You have bonds that are basically paying no interest around the world. The reason why bonds did well in a recession before was because the the central banks would lower interest rates, right? The way bonds work, interest rates go down, bond prices go up. Interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Think of it like a seesaw. And so when you had a recession, they would give the economy more money by lowering rates, which 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 made bonds go up, right? And people just wanted to own more safe stuff when things were going well, which also the more money piles into bonds, the more interest rates go down. So it's kind of like a cycle. Well, now they're not paying much, and the only thing the Fed can do to create more liquidity for the markets is printing money, right? So that's a different kind of mechanism that was introduced after the 08 crash, and that's we saw again at the beginning of this year. So you have a different type of cycle that you're entering into, and you have to have different ways to protect your money during that cycle. So let me let me give you like two examples of diversification and when this traditional stock bond diversification didn't work. In, in a cycle, so let's go back to the seventies. If you if you go look on a chart, right, and you say, "All right, let me look at what the S and P five hundred did during the seventies." Basically, from from sixty eight ish to eighty two, the S and P went nowhere, right? The S and P and Dow Jones went went nowhere, right? It was basically f- flat, right? We we talk about the lost decade in two thousand. That was another loss, more than a decade. If you just look at the seventies, right, stocks made a little bit of money. But inflation or the cost of living went up a whole, you know, a lot more than than what you earned in bonds and stocks, right? So you really didn't have a good way to diversify. But you also looked at gold, right? So so gold does well when bonds don't do well. Again, going back seventies, that period of time was slow growth and a lot of money printing. I missed that part. So slow growth, a lot of money printing. What does money printing do? Money printing makes the value of Things that don't earn more than the cost of living. Money printing makes things that don't earn more than the cost of living actually lose purchasing power, right? So so 
I know this is Matt, this is nerd, but I gotta explain this because I'm I need to build this out before I go to the next part. But most people understand, oh yeah, when I'm looking at how much I make, I factor in taxes. Right? If I make a hundred, I don't take home a hundred because I have taxes. They they forget to also factor in cost of living, which is another tax, right? Inflation cost of living is another tax. So for example, let's look let's let's do a simple math problem. If your investment earns 8% and then you got to pay a 2% tax, right? So 8 minus 2 is 6. And then in inflation or the cost of living grows at 4%. Well, 6 minus 4 is 2. You, you still are positive. But if inflation is 7 and you earn 6, right, you actually have negative real return. You actually like lost purchasing power you you may not have lost money and you actually like look at the at, the, at your account value and like oh cool like after taxes i still have six percent in there yeah but the cost of living went up more than what you made so you actually lost purchasing power which for all of us who are investing we're investing to be able to you know have more purchasing power or at least maintain our purchasing power in the future but in the 70s what happened was that the u.s dollar was pegged to gold Right, which kept you know, which allowed them to not print money when they didn't, you know, when they were not supposed to to pay for debts. But they unpegged, which allowed them to create more money, and so that caused the value of their currency to go down and the cost of living to go up. So you had crazy inflation in the seventies, and bonds had negative real returns. And so, okay, when you have negative real returns, like in the seventies, bonds are not going to protect you. Again, from 80 to current, bonds were able to protect you because inflation wasn't super high and bonds made enough above inflation to make money in chaotic periods and down periods. Really, they also made money in, they made less money in stock, but they made money over the time period, period, right? Because their, their, their return, even though lower than stocks, it was positive, real. So, so now that you understand that, right? So you go to the 70s and say, okay, in the 70s, what did well? The stocks didn't do that well, net of inflation, and bonds lost money net of inflation. What did well? Well, in, in that environment where you have lots of money printing and slow growth, people want to own hard assets. I mentioned that on my last episode, hard assets. So uh, real estate, gold, right? And cryptocurrencies uh, are a new asset class that, that, that got built out of this after the 08 crash and all this money printing started. And, and go back to my previous episodes if you want to understand, you know, why they've done that. Just understand that cryptocurrencies, not all of them, specifically Bitcoin in this example, but some of them are evolving into, you know, anyway, I don't want to go too nerd. But let's stick with Bitcoin for a second. And Bitcoin is a uh, scarce asset. It's only going to be 21 million, right? And so it's acting the way gold and real estate does as far as people flocking to hard, scarce assets when money's becoming worth less and when growth is slow, which means stocks are going to not do right as well. And so 1970s was a really good example of going back on a chart and saying, oh man, gold killed it. Stocks, not so great. Bonds, negative real return. Then you look at the early 2000s, right? You look at the early 2000s and you say, that was another period of time where inflation was you know, relatively high. The U.S. was interest rates were relatively low and they and money was going outside the US to go other places which means there was pressure on our currency 
and gold did well again when U.S. stocks didn't do well. That's why we had the lost decade, right? And so now you come back to current day, right? You look, we're in current day, which is why this matters. When another, you know, 1970s style situation in the beginning where global growth is slow, everybody's super indebted at the moment, and you, the money printing has has started. And so that's why you saw Bitcoin went up the, you know, the most, but gold also went up when the money printing started. And so if you have a portfolio where all you have is stocks and bonds over the next 10, 20, 30 years as, as your diversification, I don't think that's a great idea. You can get away with it over the last 30 years because we were in a different environment. In this environment, you need to make sure that as a diversifier, you have stocks, right? And, and even though you know, you, you know, people, people say, well, Philip, do you need bonds? Because you said they're not, they're going to earn negative real returns, right? But what bonds do is they dampen the volatility of your portfolio, right? So not everybody can take crazy ups and downs. So even if they don't earn much, you know, above inflation, it's going to stabilize your portfolio, which this is the portfolio construction nerd stuff that I do behind the scenes. You're like, all right, here's return, uh, expected returns, Here's the volatility, right? How do I put this together in a way that's going to allow clients to hit their targeted return to hit their goals, but also not scare them out of the portfolio because it's going crazy every single day, right? That's the art, you know, art behind it, right? Because it's, it's nothing, there's no guarantee. It's more like art, you know what I'm saying? You got science that helps you get your process, but it's kind of art, right? But moving forward, right, you're going to want to add gold and probably you know, cryptocurrencies, because they're a new asset class that's not going anywhere. And, and this is my opinion to the portfolio and cryptocurrency, right? So before I was talking about Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation, there's other applications for cryptocurrency that aren't yet apparent and have not become as known as what Bitcoin is from a problem solving light. So we know Bitcoin solves the problem of being a store of value, right? 21 million, scarce resource. Cool, we can put that in the gold and real estate bucket from a portfolio standpoint. We have enough data to understand here's how this was built, here's how this operates, here's how to position it in the portfolio. But Bitcoin is only one type of cryptocurrency. There's lots of different other ones, and the applications for how they are used are, again, not a set in stone, but I believe over the next 10 years, they're going to they're going to grow up as well, right? So, so when you look at the cryptocurrency, you know, space, you you want to know a couple things, right? So, you 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 have, you know, this might be a whole episode, but I'm gonna to try to explain as much as I can without boring you. But you have like tokens versus cryptocurrency. It's kind of the first distinction you want to understand. And and since this is so new, and to this point, you've only had like nerds that have been really involved, like investment guys are getting involved now. Some of their classifications are changing, right? Because some of their classifications were weird. But if you go to one site, you might say, oh, they classify this this coin this way and this coin this way. So I I took some time to study all the nerd sites and then say, all right, let me kind of build this group to, un- to explain it. But you have tokens versus currencies, right? So think of tokens as like they're only used in the ecosystem, Right. And currency is the ecosystem. So if if we were to use an analogy, right, a, a currency is a monetary policy. So you can say, okay, the U.S. has a certain monetary policy. China has a different monetary policy. Europe has a different monetary policy, right? That would be a cryptocurrency, like a currency in the crypto space. A token would be like the companies operating in that country, right? So U.S. companies, so, so you know, so so for example, 
you know, you have Ethereum, which is one ecosystem, and then you have different tokens built on top of Ethereum in that ecosystem, right? And then you have Bitcoin, and you have different tokens built on top of it, right? An- another example might also, that may be simpler or better for people who understand tech, is like you have iOS, the Apple's operating system, and then you have all these apps that were built on top of iOS, right? Google has Android, apps that are built on top of Android. You have Amazon with AWS, right? And all these companies built on top of AWS. So the crypt, the cryptocurrency is like the base layer ecosystem. Tokens are built on top of the currencies. So that's kind of the first distinction, right? But then you also have like payment currencies, uh, which is going to be where Bitcoin steps in, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, those things. They are they're currencies, right? They're, trans- they're, they're stores of value or how you transfer value from one place to the other. You also have blockchain economies, right? Again, Bitcoin fits in here, but it's not as good as for the for being an economy or not as used currently as an as economy as like Ethereum, right? So again, Ethereum is like Bitcoin, Ethereum are who you hear who you hear the most about, and Ethereum is where people you you can be more creative, you can do more things with Ethereum than you can with with Bitcoin, and that's why you see like for example, Visa came out saying, "Hey, we're going to partner with Ethereum to build to build on top of." And you have more people building on top of Ethereum than you have Bitcoin because it's the code is more flexible. Privacy coins, right? These are, you know, so on Bitcoin, for example, and Ethereum, you can trace transactions back to a wallet. Anybody can look at it, right? There's some coins where people are like, well, I don't want to be my trans I don't I want my transactions to be like untraceable. Think of it's not this is not a perfect analogy but think of it like encrypted email right you can add a different level of encryption to protect it more and make it untraceable so coins that do that examples are monero and dash right look you know i'm not endorsing any of these i'm just explaining to you uh how this works in different coins that might look that way you have utility tokens and and the simplest explanation for utility tokens right so tokens inside the system right they're used in the economy, think of it like Chuck E. Cheese, right? You walk into Chuck E. Cheese and you want to play video games. You got to trade your money for for their coins, and you can use it in there. It's, it's not really, it's not built to appreciate in value. It's just if you want to operate in Chuck E. Cheese, you got to get that token, and so that's what utility coins in. The, the The problem is there's almost no like utility coin used. You know, some coins might call themselves utilities because if you call it, if they call it a utility coin, they're not classified as a security token, which which subjects them to more regulation, right? But but most utilities are actually like security tokens because, you know, yeah, you have to use it to operate. But if you check the list of and there's like this this simple list that regulators use, but if it's basically one of them is you can make money doing it, right? A lot of these ICOs that came out in 2017. They were saying they were utility tokens, but they were really crowdfunding and raising money for different projects that are, that were going to be done on the blockchain. And so they actually felt in they they actually felt in the security token bucket, not in any utility token bucket. So, but a, a security token is one where I mean this is this is where you see like DeFi DeFinance where you can one token is like comp you can put money in and it it you're 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 in an automated way the program is linking people who want to borrow money and people who want to loan money together without a middle person, right? And so you earn interest on your money. So that's happening in DeFi. You you have the ability for you, if you're a company, you could 
um, say, hey, I'm going to create these tokens and I'm going to pay our dividends and, 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 and profit into these tokens, right? And those tokens can go up in value, kind of like a security, which is why it's called security tokens and different regulations. So there's, you know, there's even other tokens that I'm not going to even mention because I don't know where they're going to be classified, but there's like digital art tokens, right? They're called non-fungible tokens where people are literally like selling $50,000 pieces of art. You know, they might, they might make 10, they might make 10 pieces of art and you can own that art token just like people can own them. You know, I guess nobody owns them on a lease. That's worth like what a billion dollars, you know, a billion dollars in the museum. But you can say, Hey, I'm only going to make 10 of these pieces. You can own it and you'll be one of the 10 owners of that pieces. And people are buying that stuff for like thousands of dollars. Like I think one piece sold for like 50 grand. And some people are like, Oh man, that's crazy. Who would do that? I'm like, Well, why would you I mean you can copy? You can copy art from this famous artist, but it's not if it's not a real one. You know, a fake one and a real one are different costs, right? And then, and you think about if anybody has kids, like my son has spent since he started playing Fortnite, hundred bucks buying like virtual skins. You know, that's normal for them. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like everything else. It doesn't matter what you think about it. Like this is where the world is going, and so you want to pay attention, and so. I'm listing these asset classes or these different crypto categories out so you can understand and pay attention that there's a brand new financial system being built outside of this current broken system and and pay attention to it. And as, you know, as Bitcoin became, okay, cool, Bitcoin's a store of value, right? You know, hedge funds get it, insurance companies are putting money into it. You know, you got a futures market, like it's an established asset class and, and we know what it does. Other ones are going to continue to come, and if you want to be a disciplined investor, you want to have diversification, and you want to make sure that hey, if, you know, the more diversification, the better, right? The, but but again, there's an art. Some people hear that and say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go own these coins that I don't understand that are new and untested. I'm not saying do that. I'm saying work with somebody who knows and can say, hey, this is a really good risk adjusted return to add to your portfolio as a diversifier. And over the next 10 years, I believe there's going to be more and more and more opportunities to add more diversification to your portfolio and potentially, potentially, right, potentially increase long-term return or maintain long-term return, but through diversification, lower the risk, right, which is the benefit. The reason why you diversify is you either want to increase return for the same level of risk or decrease return. I'm sorry, keep returning the same for a lower, lower level of risk. I mean, that's the goal of diversification. And so, yeah, that's what's going on in the crypto world. And, and so moving forward, pay attention because it's going to be a great diversifier for your portfolio, in my view. Final thoughts. The world is, is changing and the rules are resetting. It, it's, it's like everything else in life, right? There's like a circle of life. I used to like to watch the Discovery Channel. I think it's Discovery Channel. That's the one where they show like the wildlife, right? I was watching one where you had the lion, the, the the lion, where when they get their pride, they have to defend it. But then at some point, they get they get too old to defend it. They get the young lion that comes and he, you know, it's just he can't. He's too old to defend it, and 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 that happens in in human history. Like every you know fifty years or so, there's fifty there's people who run and run and rule the world because they were the young lion at some point, and then. They get too stuck in their ways to catch on to what's happening, and they get blindsided, right? Facebook did it to ad agencies. Uber did it to taxi drivers. Ford and Cars did it to horse and buggy folks. You know, uh, Facebook also did it to TV and newspapers, right? They, Facebook just did it to everybody. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And so we're at a point now where everything is getting eaten by technology. And the, despite what the government tells you, the government cannot save you because what's at stake over the next 20 years is, and this is, this is for the first time in, in, in years, is, you know, with, with crypto, what's the need for, what is the need for government? Like, the reason why they're so scared, because governments keep their control by controlling money and controlling nukes and weapons. But now you have, everybody has a nuke, so that's kind of neutralized, right? Nobody's going to nuke anybody because it'll, it'll be the end of the world. So now you got control of money. But Bitcoin has basically put the government on notice and said, hey, y'all can't keep printing money because you keep doing it, money's going to come out of your system and go into here. And so you lose you lose that control of being able to do that. And some people are like, well, why don't the government stop it? Well, because they don't all work together. If If the U.S. tries to ban it, then China picks it up. And then they get all the entrepreneurs and the people who want to operate in that system. And if China drops it, the U.S. picks it up. Like you got all these countries that will, you know, take advantage of a misstep of the other ones. The 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 the, the market is going to get the final say, and the market says Bitcoin's here, and these new form of storing value is here. So you can choose to be a part of it, right, or not. So here's my point: it's it's exciting. If you were, if you did not like, a lot of people could c- complain about the system and say, "Oh, the man keeps me down." Well, they don't like the world's already proven you can dethrone the man. I mentioned on previous podcasts, Barack Obama circumvented the Democratic Party and Hillary and took it over. Trump did it to the Republicans, right? You have new celebrities like these, you know, like these brothers, the one who knocked out Nate Robinson. Like, you know, who was he? You know, he was not a movie star. Movie stars and athletes were the ones that made all that kind of money and got to do that. He was like a regular dude with a YouTube channel and just is making, is more famous than most celebrities, right? You got a kid, Ryan. You heard this kid, Ryan? The YouTuber kid? Like, every four-year-old knows Ryan, right? He makes like $30 million packaging toys. He is Nickelodeon. You know what I mean? Like, a kid, like one kid. And so... The rules are changing fast, and the government cannot save you because their power is being challenged, and they're worried about themselves, even though they're going to tell you what they got to tell you to be elected. And, and so you have a choice, right? Me and me and Steve are walking in. Steve is my the best audio engineer in Texas, in my opinion, probably in the U.S., but I haven't been outside the U.S., so I don't, you know, I have, but I haven't met any audio engineers outside, outside the U.S. But where I'm going is we were walking in, and we are talking about mom and pop shops who are being wrecked by i forget what it was they were being wrecked by something by technology somehow and i was like yeah i used to feel sorry for them but i don't anymore because you got to adapt or change right you have to adapt or change that's just that's life the market is the market and and if you ever get to a point to where you're too stuck in your ways to learn something new you deserve to lose right COVID gave everybody a golden opportunity because we had a lot of time on our hands to do new skills as a matter of fact I was driving home with my 10-year-old. I'm really about to get into this. I was driving home with my 10-year-old the other day, and I said, hey, Tate, because I pick him up from school, hey, Tate, you know, when daddy was 10, my parents were like, you got to go to, you know, get good grades, go to college so you can grow up and make some money. And at that point, they didn't know that that, that wasn't actually the case because a lot I got a lot of friends who that didn't work out for. Like, ours was like the, the shifting when it was changing. But I told him, I said, hey, you know, it's cool. You're 10 years old. I said, you because t- he told me he wanted to be a, either a YouTube star or a video game programmer. I said, you know, the cool part about you and growing up in this time is you can actually start learning how to program video games now. 
and you can actually create a YouTube channel now and you can go through school, right, and continue to learn and build your skills. But by high school, once you know it, you can start selling, you know, selling stuff in high school and, and making money in your business. And when you turn 18 and graduate, you can go to college if you want to or you can full time start your business. But everything you need to learn, son, is on the Internet or you can pay for it and learn it in like months. Right. The, the whole college education is being questioned. Right. So there's literally there's no reason to not be making money and falling behind unless you just said, I've learned enough. I don't want to learn anymore. I'm stuck in my ways because there's unlimited ways. I mean, you can connect with Peloton, right, and like deliver Pelotons. You know what I mean? You can become an Amazon ring expert. And like the dude who helped me install my ring, I, mean, I, I paid him like 150 bucks or something like that. It was like 18 minutes of work. And I'm pretty sure he got the bulk of that money because Amazon doesn't need it. Like we just need people to buy more rings. And so there's unlimited amounts of money that you can make uh, in the new economy if you're not just pissed off. You know, my brick and mortar store is dying. Tech companies. It is what it is. You know what I mean? It is what it is. You can you can cry about it or you can learn to make some money. That's on you. All right. I'm off because I can probably go for another 15 minutes on this. Y'all enjoy your day. Hey, thanks for checking in. Those who checked in, share the live if you can, please. That would be super helpful. Share the podcast when you guys listen. Enjoy your week. Mary. Oh, also, like, Merry Christmas cause, and probably Happy New Year because I'm not doing any more episodes until 2021. So this is the final episode of this year that I'm doing live. I might do some cuts of other stuff if I get bored, but I might just take two weeks off. We'll see. Have a good one. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.